Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, knit, and decorate. Hello, everyone. I'm Stephanie, your host. Welcome back. I apologize for missing an episode week. Uh, It was not intended, but I ran out of time because my day job has now become day jobs, plural. Uh, The more recent freelance job is temporary through the rest of the year and into early next year. But I am back on track, and I think you will absolutely love this episode. Sarah Lawson from So Sweetness is a returning guest on this episode. I first chatted with Sarah on episode seven. If you want to hear how Sarah started her business, So Sweetness, I have a link to episode seven in the show notes. In this episode, we pick up where we left off and Sarah talks about the growth of her business, her back patterns with tutorial videos, her online shop that has everything you need to make beautiful bags, including her patterns, cork fabric, zippers, and acrylic templates, to name a few. Before we dive in to the wonderful world of bag making, I want to send a huge thank you to Sarah for taking the time to share her story and her passion for designing bag patterns that anyone at any experience level can sew. I have a returning guest today, Sarah Lawson with So Sweetness. Sarah Lawson is a bag designer with an online shop full of bag notions, cork fabric, acrylic templates, and more. Her YouTube channel, So Sweetness, has tutorial videos and videos from her live show, Social Sunday, where she shares updates about her pattern designs, product reviews, she does book reviews, and she shows cool new fabrics that she purchases. So welcome back, Sarah. It's so nice to have you here today. Thanks for having me again. I'm really excited to join you today. Oh, thanks. I am too. We got to catch up. Uh, It's been a few years since uh, we last chatted on the podcast. And uh, just for the listeners, we're recording this in late May. uh, And then the episode will publish in season six in mid fall. All right. So let's catch up from our last chat, which was when Minikins 2 was just released. And um, I, I checked and it was episode seven. It was only my seventh episode oh my <laughs> of the podcast. And I'm over well over 100. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's really cool. If the listeners want to hear our first chat then you can, and uh, So Sweetness origin story, you can check out episode seven. So since then, a lot has happened. You've moved locations and you've grown You've added some staff, and I know your family's involved with the business. So, why don't you talk about like just that growth from that point of you know when whenever it was 2019, 2018? Yeah, so we used to sell product basically out of our basement. So it was thinking back on it, it was kind of crazy almost because everything's in the house the filming, the shipping, and it's like, mentally, you almost can't ever get away from it, you know? Mm. Um, So we moved, we formerly lived in actual Chicago, and we moved to the suburbs. And when we did that, we looked around for a small commercial space for the physical products, like the cork, the acrylic templates, zippers, and all that. 
And, you know, it's a small space, but we still have plenty of room to add products in future. And it's just really great to have that separation. And now that we have the commercial space, um, my parents work for us now. They do all the shipping and packaging. And it's just really great to have that kind of dynamic. Sometimes Danny and I, mm -hmm. my husband Danny and I will go um, like have lunch with them. There's like a little lunch area with, you know, table and chairs. Like it's a nice commercial space. Oh, and nice. um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just been a really great experience. And, and um, close to home. Yeah. It's about 15 minutes away from the house oh, and it's nice. from my son's high school. It's about maybe five minutes away. It's really close. Yeah. Oh, see, that's very nice, too, because it just improves quality of mm -hmm. life when your work doesn't take you on long commutes right. and takes that out of your day. Um, and then you can spend more of that time with your family. And I cannot believe you just said your son's in high school. <laughs> Actually, my daughter is graduating eighth grade, so they'll both be in high school. So that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it just happens too fast because I see my niece um, will be starting high school next year. And it's crazy. It's just, I can't even believe mm -hmm. it, how fast yeah. it goes. So, yeah, that's great. Your family is, I mean, it's a true family business. And um, I i think it's great that you have that off-site, like you said, for the um, kind of like your warehouse mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, uh, like operations for your business. And then you have a nice studio um, that you film out of, and that's from your home, right? Yeah, it was it, the, it was formerly a dining room before we bought the house and we just converted it to filming and sewing. And um, so we have all the cameras, all the lights, everything set up. And it's nice because in, in our old house, a lot of times we had to, because we had such a small space, we had to move things around, like take things down, put things back up. like, And that takes a lot of time, especially with the camera and the lighting, it really takes a lot of time. Even now when it's in a stationary spot, we still have to spend time before filming, just making sure the lighting, because the lighting changes depending on the time of day. Mm. Um, time of year. Time of year. <laughs> the sun's still out. <laughs> yeah. And so even just testing sound, like things change and mm. we have to test it every time. And just having the luxury of being able to just leave it in place and not having to move things mm. around has been amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I definitely can see a difference with your studio and that you definitely have more room and it seems like it's a lot easier when you switch your um you know your down camera to the facing and um <laughs> it's easy for Danny just to come right around and join you sometimes. So yeah, it looks good. Um and your background of course has always been beautiful. You've always had a nice um, you know, those tall bookcases with all of your bags and fabrics and stuff. Um, and then uh, you, is Michelle, I should have asked you this before, is Michelle and Bronwyn still yes, kind of on board? <laughs> oh, good. Really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I talked with Michelle on the podcast. It was great. Uh, she was so, so nice and uh, excited. I, it's, it, I think it's nice for you to have people who are so excited to be working with you in your business. Um that, that adds to your energy. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, they, they both are very excited about sewing, making bags, and they're constantly mm -hmm. turning out projects. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. So, okay. Then the pandemic, um, I just kind of, um, you know, 
I think your business model was perfect for the pandemic because you are already doing live shows and you are already selling online. Um, but I'm sure it still affected you in some ways. Um, like, did you did you have some difficulties like supply chain and freight charges? Or, I mean, how was that for you going through um, there? For sure, the freight charges really went up depending on, I mean, anything coming from overseas was just, mm-hmm. the shipping was just huge. Um, things took a lot longer. I mean, it was challenging getting used to the fact having to order product like, four or five months before you actually got it because Mm. I I guess any small business, it's just really hard to predict in the future, like how much you'll need five months in the future and will things be sold out before then that you already have. That was really challenging to manage. Mm. Um, I I think that was one of the more difficult aspects, um, the long shipping times. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I think affected everyone. Like for me with the interior design, um, you know, there was a shortage of like the, the wood. Uh, and this was just um, in 2020, yeah, last year. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, we it's just gone through all these things and freight still is just like outrageous. Um, and we still, <laughs> this is crazy. We still have this poor client waiting for this dining table top because the company messed it up the first time. And they're taking like a year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. It's, it's, it, it's been such a nightmare. Fortunately, that's one of the rare instances. And I think in the last like nine months, we've sort of gotten over that hump of that whole crazy, you know, supply change shortage stuff. So hopefully we're getting back on the track of normal. I just hope that... Um, you know, freight gets a little better. (laughs) I think it also put me in a different perspective because as a pattern designer, like nobody can disrupt my patterns coming out. Do you know what I mean? Like the physical goods, like there's always something that Uh can happen, but like I have full control over my ability to sell. Like if I'm coming out with new patterns, if that makes sense or videos. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, it's it's nice to have that um, kind of uh, diverse portfolio right. in your mm-hmm. business, so that you're not just relying upon product mm-hmm. to to keep your business going. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a great. I think you have a great uh, business um, setup, and uh, and your husband Dan. Okay, so he helps a lot with the technology. Mm-hmm. I know. And uh, I think that his help, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that he has helped So Sweetness be like at the forefront of your pattern design in offering like those AO files and SVG files, projector files, um, as well as filming your step-by-step tutorials. Is that like... Well, I have to give the credit... Uh, for the SVG files, the AO files, and the projector files, Michelle Graham does those. She does an amazing job, and she thoroughly... She does those? Yeah, so she has... Um, oh. Everything's tested. So for the SVG files, she has a Cricut maker, and obviously the SVG files can be used in other electric cutting machines besides Cricut, but she tests it on that, and she also tests it on the computer side, at least for, like, say, for instance, Brother. She tests to make sure that the files come up in the program. Uh, she also has a projector, so she tests 
the projector files. And I think the nice part about her having all this technology in her own home is um, she knows how to sort of optimize the files so that they're in the best shape for the user to be using mm -hmm. since she uses yeah, them herself. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a lot of work in and of itself uh, because I, I have a Cricut Maker too, and I've designed some stuff in just that Cricut Maker design program and it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds yeah the software is uh, like really finicky which is why she yeah. spends so much time testing it because sometimes the pieces in this in the adobe software are connected like a square or whatever it is and then once you pull it into the cricket maker software they're like not cutting the pieces because the the lines are not connected, so she does a lot of testing. Yeah, yeah. there's a it's it's weird because it compresses them, and then you have to detach them or something, and it's crazy. It's a, and and then just when I get it, then I don't use it for a while, and then I forget when I come back in, and then I cut something that's super small. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to put that back to scale. <laughs> but although it's great, you know, the projector files are definitely sort of still in its like, uh, you know, beginning times, I think I've just seen um, some sewing companies like getting into selling projectors. Mm -hmm. And they're still pretty, you know, pricey out there. But it, I, I've I think that going forward, it's just like everything else. Um, I'm sure like the first cutting machines were super expensive as well. And then as people, you know, start using them, and the technology gets better and more affordable, um, because projector files really saves a ton of time and paper. That's true. I mean, I probably won't ever have one just because all our camera equipment is taking up the real mm -hmm. estate as far as like the ceiling goes. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to have one either because it's my sewing studio is so narrow. Uh, but but it is pretty cool. I've seen it. I've seen some videos of people using it for clothing sewing patterns. Oh, yeah. Especially and, taping uh, all those pieces together. Yeah. yeah. But they have big tables, like big cutting tables, so that the projection okay. puts that whole pattern piece laser down okay. or whatever, projects it down on there. But it looks pretty cool. So, yeah, you've got all of that Um with each pattern that anyone purchases and I've been actually printing AO files for clothing now a lot it's just it's so much easier than taping together all of those pieces of paper so I think um, even like with some of your real big bag patterns that's a it's a really convenient option to have do you use a specific um like, like online print service for the AO? I do yeah I use pdf plot pdf plotting okay that's the one I heard com. of yeah yeah, it's it's great. And I think that's like a small business. Keith is the owner and um, the pricing is really good because I check it against like our local whatever Office Depot and whatever. And, and it's always so much better. And they're so quick. Oh, that's great. You up, you upload your files and then they they get it shipped out within a couple of days. It's pretty amazing. Some people might think his shipping is a lot, but when you consider... Just, you know, the convenience and the price difference from local, it really kind of is 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 um, not that bad. And I also try to get like a, a larger batch so that I'm not constantly sending one file and paying $10. Yeah, that's what one of my friends does too. Yeah, I get several at once. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a good source for people to send their AO files to PDF. 
it's either PDF. No, it is pdfplotting.com. Mm-hmm. I was going to say if it's plotter, but it's plotting. Okay. So let's move into fabrics. And um, I, I've, I've, I watch your Sunday shows, um, you know, when I can. <laughs> and I know that you get questions a lot on people have questioned on how to choose fabrics for a bag project. What type, and I know that this is very subjective too, because people like different things, but what type of print or solid fabric works well as a lining versus a main fabric would you advise? I really like for linings, either monochromatic fabrics or Blenders is maybe another term, or if it's a fabric mm-hmm. line, maybe like the smallest print. Moda Grunge is my go-to uh, for linings because um, rather than buying an exterior and a lining that go together at the same time, generally I'm just buying exteriors. And so to have a big stash of, say, Moda Grunge or whatever your basic mm-hmm. of choice is, having that on hand makes it really easy because then I can just bring in an exterior and then just pick a mode of grunge to go with that, mm-hmm. with that exterior rather than having a lot of maybe extra fabric uh, since I'm, I'm really into the large scale prints. And so that's kind of what yeah. I'm usually buying. Yeah. I think the large scale prints look really great on the, as the main fabric on the bags, um, especially when you have it designed where, um, it's a big bag and then you have your straps that just kind of frame this mm-hmm. big area. And a lot of times Tula's fabrics yeah. fit perfectly right in that sweet spot. Uh, but that was a good suggestion about the Moda Grunge because I, I have, you know, several Moda Grunges too where I like. And um, a lot of them um, have like those little bits of like sometimes they'll have a little bit of turquoise just barely in mm-hmm. it where you could really make it work with um, several different colors. Right. That's true. A fabric. Yeah. So I, that's a great fabric line. And then it takes off the stress of thinking uh, of, of what you're going to use for your lining. Um and then just focus on whatever statement fabric that you like for the main one. Yeah, my exterior fabrics, I have a really hard time choosing fabrics for the exterior, like a really hard time, almost to the point that I don't necessarily enjoy choose, choosing fabrics for a project because it's it's really hard. Um, and sometimes I can't tell if I've chosen right or wrong until the project's finished. And there's definitely times where I look at a bag and I'm like, yeah, I made the wrong choice here. But, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, true. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's it's sometimes hard because it is a 3D mm-hmm. um, thing when you're done making it. And it definitely looks different than when it's a flat fabric on your table, uh, for sure. I mean, it's like that interior design, too. Um, that's why we really have to be able as designers to, you know, try to visualize, but we don't always get it right either because sometimes, um, the, you know, like for drapery panels, um, the scale is better if it's bigger than smaller. And sometimes when you see a a print or whatever that you think is going to look good up there and then it gets up there and you can barely see the pattern. Oh no. But but because sometimes people are afraid of big pat scale patterns. So you kind of have to nudge them to, you know, you want to see it. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. And then you always have to take into consideration, like, what else is coming into play, like darts. 
straps, handles, like you already mentioned handles on the front. That one's kind of an easy one. Um, But just how the bag kind of becomes three-dimensional if parts of the design will get cut off or sometimes it's just too busy, like a large print, if it's just different pieces sewn together and it gets cut off, sometimes that doesn't work either. Right. Yeah. Cause you're not getting the most out of mm-hmm. that big print right. that you want, you want it to be. And then sort of then gets lost when it kind of runs into each mm-hmm. other in the seams. Um, that's a good point. And also it made me think about also you have um, a lot of your patterns will have se- separate pieces where they can be done in like a contrast, like either a cork. So for instance, like maybe like the bottom of a bag would be a good place for cork and handles and uh, where else? And, and sometimes you, you can make the whole bag out of cork if you want to the oh, exterior. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, how has cork, uh, cause there's constantly new patterns and designs. So how, how is that going and what are people trending towards these days? I feel like as far as this year, I introduced a few new prints. Um, I had a couple of prints with hummingbirds that were super popular. Um, there's always new prints coming through, but I tried to recently focus on some new solid colors. Like I looked at my Tula stash and I looked at the cork and I said, well, what colors could I add that might be beneficial? So I I added a new like creamy, lighter green, and then sort mm-hmm. of a, a purplish color that I thought looked nice with her recent Everglow fabric with the hippos, the pinker mm-hmm. print. So yeah. I'm just trying to look for gaps in the cork. Um, to be honest, cork doesn't always exactly match like a printed quilting cotton fabric. And if that's the case, I usually try to reach for a neutral color like the natural or charcoal black. Um, because it doesn't always happen that it's an exact match. And if it's not a close enough match, sometimes it's really glaringly obvious and it doesn't look good together. And so like a neutral is always. Um, yeah. When you try to match something exactly, it, it, it can look like an eyesore um, and because you try and then it's not, and then it's, it's better to have something that contrasts and then it actually helps to um, pop the fabric off of the cork as like a, you know, a background or base fabric. And I did take a look um, on your website and I could recognize some cork that you still carry that you've been carrying all along, like that rose gold oh, right. and the natural with the metallics. Um, there's that kind of like that denim blue cork. Jeans blue. Yeah, that's um, one of our yeah. most popular colors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see how that could be really popular. So those kind of are like the mainstays. But then I also do see these really cool um prints uh which are are interesting that's why i'm wondering like what 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 do people gravitate towards when you have your your prints introduced uh the rose garden Um, is super popular as far as the prints the hummingbird ones which i I already mentioned and i have an elephant print which is also super popular oh i love elephants yeah (laughs) i do (laughs) there was a there i don't know if you've seen it but there was a new um elephant um, documentary out. I think it was like four episodes. And it was just, I, I just love, you love animals too. So we have this in common, but I never even real. I just thought there was like the Savannah elephants and the Asian ones. 
but there's like four types. Did oh, you no, know I didn't know that. I think I did come across that documentary with anything mm-hmm. regarding animals. I'm always afraid to watch it because if something bad happens, I'm really empathetic and it just really like. Me too. This one is good. Now, I there's a brand new one that came out on chimpanzees and I had to turn it off because they are mean and I just couldn't take it. Could not take the poor, <laughs> the poor chimpanzee that you know, wasn't doing anything bad except for being a male. <laughs> and they, they fight to be the boss. And oh my gosh, I was like, no, I cannot see this. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Oh, you know, the other thing I saw too, is that there are new uh, cord designs in your shop. So you can make like little hand straps. Oh yeah. So we have like cork cord and cork piping. So the difference between the two is the cork cord is a finished circular shape tube shape I guess and the piping has like a little flange on the side for you to use it as actual piping in a bag and sew it into the seam Um, but yeah like what you mentioned with the cork cord a lot of people are using it to make um, like a wristlet strap for a a clutch or a small bag Um, or I guess something to hold keys so you can have it on your wrist something of that nature yeah and it looks really nice. I, I just, uh, I think the, um, the the bag making supplies in the bag, like the the home bag maker industry, I think has just kind of expanded so much, and there's so much more nicer options that when you make your bags, they look like professional, very impressive, yeah. professional, yeah, like designer. I saw that cord. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And I love that you have the um, piping too, because, um, you know, we do a lot of leather piping around pillows and stuff like that. And I, it just makes that really cool edging mm-hmm. around a bag or a pillow or whatever. And, um, and, and your uh, viewers and, and um, buyers can order that to make pillows too. So yeah, that's a good point. Piping is really multi-use. You can use it anywhere where you can put a seam. (laughs) (laughs) seam (laughs) Uh, So those are good products. That's really nice. Um, All right. Now this is the other thing that uh, trips people up are stabilizers. And I feel like you kind of have simplified it to a science and it, it, even though there are like a bajillion types of stabilizers out there, I have kind of stayed true to just what you use of like, you know, the woven stabilizer mm-hmm. for linings and the foam. Um, and, and it doesn't have to really go any further than that, kind of, you know, I mean, those are like the two main ones, unless you want to get into like the hard one that you use at the bottom of the bags, mm-hmm. right? So go ahead and talk about the stabilizers and and uh, what you recommend. Yeah, sure. For, for the linings, I pretty much all the time use Pollen Shape Flex, also known as SF101, and that just fuses to the fabric. Uh, you mentioned the foam interfacing already, and there's several options out there. Pallon makes one called Flex Foam. Bozel makes one called Interform, and both of those have either sew-in, single-sided fusible, and double-sided fusible. I usually use by Annie Soft and Stable, which is a sew-in foam. I just like um, me. Everyone has their own preferences, but for me, I just like using the sew-in foam. I like how it looks in the finished bag, um, and I've been using it f- 
for a long time and just makes the bags have some really nice structure. And besides those two, um, depending on what kind of look or feel that I'm going for in a finished bag, I might on occasion add other things such as fusible fleece, um, either Pellon Peltex, which is an ultra firm interfacing. In the last couple of years, I've been using the Decoville interfacings also. Decoville has Decoville Heavy, which is, it's not exactly the same as Pellon Peltex, but um, it's a firm interfacing. It's fusible. Um, the packaging says it gives like a leather-like feel to the projects. Um, and then Decoville Light is, I guess, pretty fairly close to um, Pellon Decker Bond, which is number 809, um, maybe a little bit more substantial. Um, but there's a lot of options and I tried to kind of sprinkle in the different interfacing options in my mm -hmm. patterns. For example, they won't all be just Pellon Shape Flex and foam interfacing, but once in a while I'll throw right. in like, say for the bottom of the bag, like you mentioned, like a, a uh -huh. strip of either Pellon Peltex or the Decoville Heavy. Um, okay. I don't think I've ever, or at least in recent years, made a bag entirely in like Peltex or Decoville Heavy, but it's good to have a small piece mm -hmm. like in the bottom of the bag or an area that you need to be stiff just for how the finished mm -hmm. bag looks. I guess it depends. Everything depends on yeah. the look of the finished bag and what areas I need to either beef up or like kind of make a little bit um, less structured. Structures, yeah, like I, yeah. in Minikins 4, I had a small bag uh, called the Partridge Bag. And um, that bag I actually made entirely in fleece uh, just because I wanted to, like I mentioned, like I just want to give customers the experience of trying different interfacings and so by sprinkling mm -hmm. in the different types of projects I think it is sort of a confidence builder like oh I've used that one before in this project or mm -hmm. I've used the Decoville Heavy in a few projects or if they haven't used it before it gives them a chance to try it out for the first time and see what they think about it. Right no that's good uh, and, and I think it, um, helps that, that, um, you know, you've had, um, followers buying your patterns for years and some of them started without knowing how to sew at all to now they're almost like pros. So their skills have expanded and you give them that skill builder, like you just said, which is great to, to help them keep, you know, growing their skills and, uh, your patterns, um, have also grown in that way too. Um, because even, I mean, like way back when you first started, some of the stuff wasn't even available yet. So, you know, it was basically like fabric and, and just the, the basic, um, stabilizers. Mm -hmm. and, and now there's just so much more. Also, um, I think you also use some like, uh, type of an insole bright for your care, oh, yeah. uh, food carrier, mm -hmm. which is a, I love that I've made a tea cozy cover years ago and I still use it and it keeps that tea so hot oh, really? for hours. Oh, great. It really works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it will really work in that um, carrier. Um, and it's so easy to use. Yours. Like it's uh, basically yeah. insulated fleece. One side is fleece and the mm -hmm. other side, the silver shiny looking side, that's the insulated part. And it's just basically treated as a sew and interfacing. So really easy to use in projects. 
Does the fleece side go towards the fabric and the insulated side? Wait, how does that That's go? a good question. So I usually <laughs> orient the silver side toward the inside because that's, you just want to think in your head, where do I need to keep it either hot or cold? It's the inside. So I usually attach it to my lining fabric and have the silver side facing like the inside of the bag, if that makes sense. Got you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good. Because uh, sometimes I forget that. And I'm like, which side mm-hmm. goes where? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about, um, oh, wait, wh- one more thing I thought of while you were talking about some of those harder, um, heavier um interfacings is I thought about your one bag that park bag that kind of has that um almost like an Hermes type of a shape is it the park sling backpack Uh, or no it's a it's a bag long time ago it was a oh it's park something but it, it, it that bag would be really cool with all of the hard um or heavy interfacing and makes it really like structured and it has like the little handle is it the park west oh okay i think it's that one i think it's that one okay yeah yeah. so that would be kind of cool thing to experiment Mm -hmm. with um to get that kind of a look okay so minikins four you just released it and it's a collection of 12 bag patterns which all of your minikin groupings are like 12 um bag patterns basically and they're anywhere from like small pouches to um bigger bags uh so go ahead and talk about minikins four so minikins four it wasn't an intentional but i seem to alternate every season like season one was more of an assortment of different pouches many of them in three different sizes season two was a lot of projects for specific uses like a cosmetic bag season three went back to assortments of pouches in the three different sizes and now season four is again an assortment of projects for specific uses like there's a project for storing your sewing machine feet Um, a lot of the projects in the season are actually requests I've gotten over the years that I didn't immediately get to but now I have like that sewing machine feet one or a yoga bag a yoga mat bag that's in there too. So I really pay attention. I get a lot of emails with suggestions or requests for patterns and um, either either I save them or I kind of keep it at the back of my mind. This is something people are asking for over and over. And um, sometimes it takes me years to get to that pattern like the yoga bag, but eventually I like to try to cover as many specific use projects as I can, like the jewelry organizer. That was another one from the season that was very specific. And I think having them in a set of 12 allows me to be a little bit more creative with the different types of projects. I feel like um, as a standalone pattern, it might be not as strong, but in a grouping, of what I feel like is like quality projects and fun projects to make. I feel like that's a better placing for some of these specific projects, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does because um, the yoga bag is in here, but there's also a water bottle tote, which sort of relates. Um, and I, I like that water bottle tote. I think it is because uh, we 
with our dog, um, I'm always carrying like water bottles and stuff. And, and I like that it's like a um, crossbody mm-hmm. sort yeah. of thing, or you could, any way you want to wear it. But um, I thought that was really clever. Oh, thank you. And it looks really cute too. Uh, I, I think this, um, this Minikins collection, uh, I'm very excited about. I got. I have to get time to make these. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes, where you just there's some things that you really want to make, but you just can't mm-hmm. until you get the time mm-hmm. to. But um, you've got. Oh my gosh, that first pouch is one of my favorites because it has a diagonal zipper. Oh, the Enigma pouch feature mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, so cute. And the the zipper that you had it in with that was it the rainbowy mm-hmm. teeth looks so so sharp it's just really i think that's probably going to be one of your popular ones that people well, there's a sew along going on with that now is yeah there? there's a sew along it'll be wrapping up in june so i know this recording mm-hmm. is coming out in the fall but i think yeah. this is the one we did a popular vote to see which project people wanted for so long out of the minikin season four projects and this one had over 40 percent of the vote so far and away the most popular project from the bundle yeah yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So, um, oh, and there are super large storage cubes, which oh, yes. I have been hoping for forever. And I've been searching around even everywhere for like, you know, patterns for that. And usually everyone's got those little, the little ones, like the three sizes. I mean, you've got those too. These are nice. These are like big storage boxes. Oh, thanks. This is one of those patterns. This is called the Catalan storage cube. And it was one of those patterns that I tried to visit a few years ago by sewing basically a square cube with just fabric and interfacing. And it was just really floppy and it didn't hold its shape. And I was just like, I I really would like to do this pattern, but this is not exactly how I envisioned. So I just sort of let it go for a few years. And then I guess this was the time for it because this particular pattern has a metal frame at the top, either a square or a rectangle, depending on which version of the project that you're making. And the metal frame is what made the difference because now it holds its shape when it's empty or full. Once there's stuff in there, the sides are not going to collapse like my other initial version, which is the interfacing did. And it fits on, I have Billy bookcases from Ikea and my sewing room and the cubes fit on the billy bookcase and they fit in other storage cube type of situations as well so i think just a general um, i've seen people store zippers in their sewing room you know if they have zipper by the yard storing them inside dog toys um, if there's a nursery keeping like the baby toys in in the cubes so there's I guess, unlimited uses for that type of project. There are. There's so many uses for that. Um, and uh, I, I love that one. What what are some of the other ones that I am missing here from that collection? Um, Storage cubes, yoga, water bottle. There's a sewing machine cover. Cover, and yeah. And for that particular project, I... I've done this with a pattern before where you plug in the measurements of your item And Mm -hmm. I walk you through in the instructions how to cut out your pieces. So basically, you could cover anything. You could cover a kitchen mixer. Um, I had someone making it for like a barbecue cover, like their grill in the backyard. Um, (laughs) 
toaster. My friend made one to cover her toaster. So like the cover can be made for anything because you're just plugging oh, your nice. measurements in. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that must be great when you have people that make things, you know, your patterns and then they like adapt it to be, I, that's cr- crazy, a grill cover. Right, I know. <laughs> it's like so much of a bigger scale. Yes. <laughs> but when it's a really good thing, it's a very good, useful thing that you need. <laughs> or like, you know, some people have industrial sewing machines and obviously those are so much bigger than mm-hmm. the home sewing machines and just having that feature in the pattern. Well, they can make the sewing machine cover now for whatever kind of machine or whatever device they have that needs a cover. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that it was it was designed to be like that. That's um that's really good. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Minikins 4? The video tutorials come with it. Yeah, the videos come with them and I make the whole projects on the videos from start to finish. So like even cutting out the you know, taping the paper pieces together because I don't want to assume that someone's either made a lot of bags before or maybe they haven't made any of my patterns before so I want them to understand um, all the parts and I don't want to assume any information is known like I'll attach the interfacing I won't attach the interfacing to all the pieces in the video but I at least for each type of interfacing used in that project I at least demonstrate you know one time in the video how to attach how I like to attach the interfacing and we don't speed up any parts of the videos just because sometimes when I'm sewing people find little hidden hidden nuggets of information that they maybe wouldn't have seen if I sped through like oh you know when Sarah sews through the curve she's using her fingers to kind of smooth things out Um, I've learned over the years to mention those things verbally but sometimes I do things that I just don't like it doesn't register in my mind that I'm doing anything special and I just kind of do them. Right. But having them in the video without the fast forwarding, people can see exactly how I handle yeah. like every situation. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy that with your your videos. And um, I feel like the sped up ones anyway are a bit more like less tutorial-ish and just more like yeah, could be. kind of watch me make this bag. Mm-hmm. I get that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I do enjoy, I, I appreciate that with your sewing and you always have a nice clear view of what you're doing and what you're sewing. And I told you this in the last episode, I remember, <laughs> but I, I like when you remind us to, you know, from the big stitch, turn back down oh, to yeah. your two, <laughs> 2.5. Cause I always would forget that. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, I don't know, like I mentioned this like 10 times already, like, is it getting repetitive? But then I realized like sometimes you could just get caught up in sewing the project and you're not thinking about things like changing the stitch length. And yeah, so I always try to mention those things in the video. It helps me also to remember like, hey, now it's time to lengthen Uh the stitch length because we're top stitching. So saying it verbally also is a good reminder for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just those little things that, um, like you said, because when you are in the mode and, and you're just sewing along, it's just it's so easy to forget to change your your stitch length. At least for me, definitely for sure. So I love that reminder. Uh, and um, so your tutorial videos are great. Um, so it's a collection of twelve bag patterns. You have the video tutorial videos with it, um, all of the different type of print. Um, options uh, and the PDF pattern, of course, which can be printed out if um, they want to. I, I still print out your patterns. <laughs> 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 so I'm still kind of, I'm Gen X, so. 
I know some people love to just stare at their iPad, but then my iPad constantly has to be, well, first of all, I have to have your video on the iPad, so Mm. I can't like look at the pattern on there and have the video up. So that's one of the reasons. A lot of people have like really creative storage solutions for when they print out the pattern, like they um, make the three holes and put it in a binder. They have like a a clear sleeve around it. Like there's a lot of really nice ways to store it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's good to take notes on um, yes. for things yeah. that you, just things that you think of or would like to change if you make it in future or if you make modifications, then you have sort of a permanent record of like what kind of modifications, what you needed to change and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've even made some notes too when um, some of the bags have a really just tricky way to where the zipper part and the lining or whatever, whatever design that bag is, I'm thinking of more like a box type of a, a pouch or something. So um, I'll remind myself that you have to stitch like all the way to this part. Oh. So there's not a gap. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's great. Okay. So minikins four. And um, I think that that's a lot of yeah, work. I think that too, might be that the last did. side. I, I don't want to say, you know, never, but like, I feel like that's probably yeah. might be the last one. Just, <gasps> oh, see. And then when you said that's going to be my last retreat, oh. so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I was lucky that I, I was able to go to your last retreat ever. <laughs> now it's the last minikins. No, well, it's like it was for me, it was almost 12 months of work, and it's, uh, at the beginning, it always sounds like a great idea, like, oh, I can do this. I can do whatever uh, I, you know, yeah. whatever I imagine in my head. And then, you know, getting to the end of the 12 months is like, oh, it's really challenging because no matter what I tell myself, somehow we always manage to leave the filming of the videos for last. And then it's <laughs> like, oh, we're coming up like, you know, we need to film these 12 videos. And it's for me, it's a, a lot of pressure. Um, yeah having to present, I'm not just sewing it. I also have to present it on camera and explain. And it's just a lot of mental uh, pressure. A lot of mental energy goes into the presenting for me, at least. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you that, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, because I think, you know, you get ideas from um, your um, viewers and people who buy your patterns, but after so many years of designing them, how are you able to come up with new and innovative designs? Because I think your designs are innovative and you, you do like push yourself and, and you offer new things every time. I think it's a mixture of, I get a lot of feedback either on the live shows if people are asking a question and we put it on the screen or through email. Um, Oftentimes people are looking for specific bags or bags with certain features. And so over the years, it's sort of been either a mental or an actual collection of different suggestions people have given me. And obviously I can't make everyone's request, but I do my best. And even if it's something that I get to a few years later, um, I think that's my biggest point for inspiration is for kinds of bags that people are looking for to make. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it sounds like there's a, a ton of requests mm-hmm. that could keep you busy for a lifetime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of good, though. <laughs> but are there any types of pattern designs on your personal like to design list that you really want to get to? Um, I do still have at the top of my list uh, a wheelchair bag. Um, oh, yeah. I had a couple designs that I was thinking about. I was thinking about putting them in the same pattern. Um, I just haven't, I guess, finalized that particular project yet, but that's like number mm-hmm. one on my list. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other, I you just normally don't think about, but the, um, you know, the uh, ADA type of stuff that people would need mm-hmm. specific to something like a wheelchair. Uh, I think you've given this out before. So for your patterns, what is the best zipper length to invest in that will work for several bag patterns? The length, I would say, if you're buying a store-bought zipper, either maybe a 30-inch zipper or a 40-inch zipper. Granted, this is for like the main zipper closure. Obviously, for zipper pockets, a shorter zipper would be okay. Um, I feel like zipper by the yard now is so readily available that that is a really great option not only to save a little bit money a bit bit of money because you can just cut it to the length that you need in the project and i should also mention regarding cutting zipper by the yard to the length i highly recommend waiting until you reach that certain step in the pattern that you're using the zipper because even if I'm just talking about my patterns. Even if my supply list, say, calls for a 40-inch zipper, I might be trimming the zipper to, say, like 37 and a half inches or something like that. And if you wait, rather than cutting your zipper 40 inches from the get-go, if you wait until you reach that step in the pattern for whatever you're directed to do with the zipper, I think you'll be able to save, you know, a few inches that might, over time, result in, like, a whole nother zipper that, section that you could use. Um I usually use handbag zippers for the main portions of the bag. And a handbag zipper can either be a number five zipper or a number 4.5 zipper. And if you're using zipper tape, um, I, I would say in the last two years, I've been I've been working really hard to add lots more zipper pulls to the shop. I think mm-hmm. by the end of the year, yeah. we might have close to 100 different zipper pull types and we carry them in six different finishes. So... Mm-hmm. I that's been my focus um, that besides the new patterns and the cork I think those are my strong focuses mm-hmm. as far as the things that we're selling in the shop yeah I, I I saw that there's so many really cute ones and again that personalizes mm-hmm. someone's bag that they make and the decorative is really nice too um, uh, it, um, also the zipper rolls I think are good too because um as they started to come out and become more um, available and in more and more colors, mm-hmm. um, it's to me, it's easier to work with than just buying like, you know, a single zipper, so many, a, yeah. a single zipper that may or may not work with your bag. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, Cause I don't know why, but one time I think I only bought like 22 inch zippers and they rarely work for anything. And, <laughs> Like, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then with the zipper by the yard, you just don't have to worry so much about like all the different sizes you're keeping on mm-hmm. hand and you just 
Yeah. Yeah. And they're so pretty too. Most of the zippers by the yard have nice colors for the tapes. And um, I like in your patterns too, because, um, because you use the bigger size, um, they have the wider ta size tape on each, each side of the teeth. You can see it. Mm -hmm. can, I mean, it's meant, it's meant to be seen, mm -hmm. the color of the tape, which is a, a nice feature of the bag. Um, and then those decorative zipper pulls are so cute. Um, I'm sure like what uh, that, whatever, the rainbow or oil slick or that, is that finish like Mona or your most popular finishes? I would say the rainbow or the silver are top two. Okay. Gunmetal is really yeah. close behind. And then we recently added antique brass finish and that's oh, popular as well. We also carry rose gold yeah. and light gold, but I would say those are um, the lower end as far as like popularity. Right. Yeah, because they they can they tend to be specific. They work only with specific colors, I think. Yeah, especially the rose gold, uh, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I do. I've used the gunmetal before. That's a really nice one, and, and definitely the rainbow. Um, but the antique brass is, um, I mean, interior design. That's been like the hot finish. Oh, really? For the past couple mm -hmm. of years, yeah, in drapery hardware and and kitchen um, hardware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, antique, um, well, bronze or really antique brass right now okay. is the big thing because it's a little bit more, has a little bit more goldish color mm. to it, but it's still toned down. So, yeah, it's really nice. Um, and those, um, I'm old enough to have vintage coach bags <laughs> and they have those bronzy oh, really? <laughs> hardware. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think that they look so rich. So I'm glad that you've got that coming in. Um Okay, your live Sunday shows, they've pretty much sort of stayed the same, but then they've also changed. I mean, you've always talked about, um, you know, what's coming up with your patterns and and stuff like that. And then you show things that you buy that aren't sponsored or given to you um, of notions that you review and talk about and books mm -hmm. and fabrics. So um Talk about that, and um, you don't do it. Do you do you do it every Sunday, mm -hmm. or, or okay, you do do it every. We Sunday. We do it every Sunday, and sort of it's like a rotating theme. So, um, what I call my main show is like, you know, the notion of the week, book review. I'll usually demonstrate something. I'll talk about new fabrics that I've purchased, and then the next Sunday will be a show where Danny, my husband Danny, will be on the show with me. Um, we kind of chit chat about things that are going on. I answer a lot of questions. And so we rotate every other Sunday is either Danny's on the show with me or the review show with like the notion and all that. Um, two years ago, we started implementing a summer break from the live shows. So we'll mm -hmm. take about two and a half months off just to regroup. Um, usually I spend time working on new patterns during that time. Mm -hmm. Obviously my kids are off school, so we try to do things as a family um, yeah. And I think the summer break's been really helpful because for for the rest of the year, we don't generally take Sundays off. Like we still have shows on holidays if the holiday falls mm -hmm. on a Sunday and things like that. So I think the having the summer break is helpful just to regroup and sort of refresh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally can <laughs> relate to that because I need that break, too, just from my podcast. It just um, I can feel it. I can feel it coming when it's like towards the last two episodes of the season. And I'm just like, oh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. 
there's only because it just catches up with you all all that you know work and wear and tear on your your mind your mental you know all of that so you need a break yeah we I mean we love doing the shows but we've been doing them for now it's going to be over six years and so yeah with having that schedule where we just are not willing to miss a Sunday we just need a you know a short break during the year Sure. Yeah. And I think it's a good time of year to take the break, too, because probably everyone I mean, summer is like a really busy because the kids, their kids are from home from school and vacations mm-hmm. and everything. So I think it's a good time of the year to to not have your Sunday mm-hmm. shows for that two and a half months, uh, which is really good. Um, OK, so. Uh, let's just conclude this now. We've talked about so much and I really appreciate you coming on. Um there's just a couple other things of what advice would you have for beginner bag makers? Because I have seen, I mean, your, your subscription numbers keep climbing and climbing and climbing. So I know that you're getting new bag makers all the time. What would you say? Well, if they're looking for a specific project, I always recommend the Baker street bag. It's uh, one of my free patterns and it also has a free video to go along with it. Um, I touch on things like using a zipper. Sometimes people haven't worked with zippers before. Um, Sewing through a curve because that bag has curves at the bottom. Um, But I feel like the curves are sort of more gentle and forgiving and not like a, you know, a tight curve. Um, And that's just a great place to start and just um, keep making projects. Um, You know, I have a good selection of not only free projects. um, I have some free projects that you can make with cork that are like a 10 minute or less project. So I have also, I also have those in case someone would like to just try out working with cork before they dive into a bigger project, like using it in portions of a bag. Um, And then of course we have just, you know, the regular line of patterns, a lot of standalone patterns too. Um, So there's a lot of options and people can always email me. Um, Either I respond to emails or Bronwyn uh, we'll be responding responding to some emails as well, and um, we just want to make sure everyone feels confident to work on the projects, or if they have a question, they can always ask, and we're happy to help. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then you, for your experienced bag makers to challenge their skill set, what advice would you have for them? Keep making bags, I guess. Yeah, keep making <laughs> bags. Uh, I have a lot. I have a few projects two of them come to mind that are more detailed with a lot more, I guess, steps and things going on with the projects. Um, I have a project called the Triple Threat Briefcase, which has a lot of pockets and different aspects. And there's actually three main sections for the three separate zippers. Um, And also the sewing machine travel bag. That's probably the longest pattern I've ever written. There's a lot of storage aspects and a lot of things going on with that project. So I, I would say for the, the most experienced, those two. And when I say, when I mention those two, I don't mean it to sound intimidating. You know, we have videos for those two projects as well. And I feel like the video with the videos make pretty much any of the patterns accessible to any skill level, which is why I've always kind of shied away from saying like, oh, this pattern is an intermediate or this is advanced. I don't want people to not want to try a project just because they feel like it might be a little bit above their their skill level, because I think the video really makes it possible. You know, just I always tell people just 
work a section at a time. My sections are generally 10 steps, give or take, depending on what the um, what we're making in that particular section. Just so a section, mm -hmm. stop for the day, and then you can come back to it next time. So another section, that's all you have to do, mm -hmm. just a section at a time. And before you know it, you'll just have a finished project. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, and, and not necessarily like, um, because there could be some, I guess you could say advanced, where they've made, they're comfortable making bags, um, but maybe they haven't even like, gotten out of their box of comfort. Mm. So maybe try something that has a different, like you said, stabilizer type or uh, multiple zipper pockets and stuff. And also, um, you mentioned like the one, I think the sewing machine bag is the longest mm -hmm. um, one. And that can be intimidating too, of that. It almost seems like there's endless steps. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> I feel that because when we're filming the videos, like when we got to that one, I was like, oh my God, if, I think that was like a two or three day filming process. And like, we never spend that many days filming, but I could tell at the beginning, like, wow, this is just going to take forever. But like, you know what? You get to the end eventually and mm -hmm. yeah. And then you look at what you made I know. and you're like, wow, this is And then awesome. when you go somewhere with the bag, then everyone's like, where did you buy that? And you're like, well, I made it myself. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that that I think that applies to me definitely because sometimes um, – and and then if you really like get your head into like seeing other people just whipping out these bags, you can't really, because those might be like simpler bags to make mm -hmm. and quicker or whatever, but you don't have to make a bag in a day. There's a lot of things that are like in a day, in a day, <laughs> quilt in a day, mm -hmm. bag in a day, design a room in a day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> those aren't necessarily the best. <laughs> Um, so I, I feel like, uh, and I'm not a fast sewer anyway, myself. I mean, I like to take my mm -hmm. time. I don't really love to like buzz through stuff and not even realize what I just did. Um, so that's good. Well, uh, remind everyone about your Facebook group. I know you have a newsletter and sew alongs. Yeah. The Facebook group is really great because that's, it's a closed group, meaning you have to, um, apply to be approved to the group. And the nice thing about the closed group is people sometimes like to share photos of their makes and not have like their whole, you know, Facebook page, like looking at all their sewing photos. And so um, people either post their finished photos or if they have a specific question, I feel like the group is a great place to get feedback from everyone, especially if people are looking for new sewing machines or if they're working on a project and they're getting a lot of skip stitches, it's a really mm -hmm. great place to kind of get some extra support on different things that you might need help with or that you're struggling mm -hmm. on. Yeah, it's, it is a really good place um, to find support like that. And uh, everyone is, is very, uh, supportive when anyone posts a picture of, of their bag or even that has, has questions. Um, it's a really good resource um, for all that. And, and it also the closed group too makes you feel more comfortable and that you're, you're in there with um, not that you know people, but you're mm -hmm. like in a community of friends. Yeah. 
I agree with that. Well, great. So I will put links to everything, your website, shop and everything in the show notes. And thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming back on. Uh, We had a lot of new stuff to talk about and it was good to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Stephanie. If you love the Make and Decorate with Stephanie podcast, check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash makeanddecorate. You'll get a bonus episode every month, even during the months that the show is on hiatus. Thanks for listening, and I will chat with you next time. Bye-bye.